Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support the team at Waggle Golf, local Minnesota brand and oh-so-comfortable clothing. Best hats, shirts, hoodies, and more. Endorsed by Bucigras, Carlo Koliakovo, and most importantly, the Soda Pod. Check them out at GetYourWaggleOn.com for the best damn golf apparel in the United States. GetYourWaggleOn.com today. Now back to the show. When I, it's like the And welcome back to another episode of MNCAA for our postseason recaps here on the channel. Uh, as always, joined with us this week is the uh, St. Thomas following Ryan Stieg. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here as always. So, be fun. You know, it's hard to say that things were fun for a team that only won three games last year. Um, but I think as we go through the season recap here, St. Thomas, I think for those who just do us a, a book title reference and that's it, I think they're going to realize that they kind of missed out on some, some fun storylines in the squad. Um, so let's start with the beginning, Ryan. Uh, this is your number one for St. Thomas division one, uh, hockey, um, the roster made up of mostly D ones, but also some division three talent. And the point that I want to make first of all, Ryan is with Rico and first year head coach is he could have easily gone out to the transfer portal and he could have gotten some more D one talent. He didn't do that. Um, so, and the reason why I'm bringing this up, I want to set the stage for people on to first of all, how just who Rico is as a person, not only as a coach, but also what this roster really was like on the ice opening night. It- you know, this is like the first time I've really actually truly interacted with Rico Blasi in my entire life. I think we spoke on the phone once, like maybe 10 years ago or something like that when I had to do an interview, but uh, he's uh, the passion is definitely there with that guy. Um, he truly believes in this program and uh, he believes that he can turn this into something. I think the track record is there that uh, what he did at Miami, um, that he can turn a decent program and to a national title contender, which they were for like about a five year stretch um, in the late aughts to early, was it 2010s? <laughs> I guess is yeah. what I got. So um, yeah, I mean, they were, and uh, they've always been in the thick of things. And I think like 
I do think he was the right guy, and I think the passion was very evident. If you were watching that St. Thomas Mankato game um, <laughs> when that botch call happened, I think he I think he showed uh, his actions were showing just how much uh, he believes in this team, and uh, it's and it wasn't easy for him either. I mean, you're inheriting a program that had. <sighs> Moving to D1 is tough enough as it is, but when you have a roster that is, I would say, 95%, maybe D3 guys or D1 guys who went down to D3 um, in you know previous years. So it you're basically trying to do the best you could with what you had. I mean, he got Peter Tomey, which is great because you had a veteran uh, transfer coming in in net that helped lead the team, and he was named team MVP. So obviously he was a very valuable piece. But with the exception of him, there was no big-name person on that roster. And uh, that was evident in the first <laughs> few games that this was going to be a rough season. I mean, people remember the big 12-2 to debacle that happened in St. Cloud and how that was just a rough night for everybody who wasn't a St. Cloud State fan or a player or an employee or anything. But uh, it was – I think it showed just how that team's ability to bounce back because the next night it was only a 2 nothing game. Mm-hmm. And after a 12-2 <laughs> complete disaster, I mean, they held St. Cloud to two goals. So it just shows that – that program, even like the most minor steps, showed what it can accomplish doing the little, the little things, and uh, that's what I noticed over the year is that with each series, progress was made. And Rico was all about the process this year. I don't think I typed anything that didn't involve the words "the process" in any interview I ever did with him. So, but they really was. It was part of the process. Is the season was a process to get to that, to get to the end. And uh, I think they showed a lot of people, especially the last two months of the season, just how far they could, they came from that first game. So let's, let's sort of break it down a little bit, right? Staring because, you know, a great synopsis of the season as a whole, but I want to break it in chunks a little bit, just because you kind of beat me to the punchline where St. Cloud, right? You're, you're dipping your toes in the water for the first time. And uh, well, um, they were sort of, chopped up with like a ton of slice uh, in the first you know four minutes of that hockey game um what was it eight or nine power play goals scored by saint cloud also um it was it was it was a a, a non <laughs> it was a, a numbers game that was never going to be uh, sustainable for either squad right but then as you mentioned right they settled down it was almost like okay that's what it's like so you learn something right only mm-hmm. a two nothing game that game obviously played at the Excel Energy Center um and and technically a neutral site right yeah. so you can kind of say all right we've got our first weekend and we're fine um and this is where the scheduling for St. Thomas is a little bit different right normally some teams um you've got a couple of weekends for non conference uh St. Thomas being the new kid on the block per se um, you know, go right into some CCHA games there early October. It's at Northern Michigan, um, a bit of a tighter contest, uh, at least on that Friday, um, before a little bit more of a lopsided affair against Northern Michigan. And then um, you go to Sault Ste. Marie, uh, Lake Superior State. Again, a three to one loss followed by a three to six loss. And I want to pause it here because there were some building blocks with Lake Superior State and had maybe a bounce or two gone one way or the other. There could have been the first victory then, but it wasn't, Brian. Yeah, it's the Lake State games I and mean, the Northern Michigan games. 
there was a win to be had there. There was something if they had just, you know, held on a little bit in the third period or maybe just gotten an extra goal early on to help give them a little cushion, you know, they could have gotten that first victory then. And it would have been a big statement getting against, you know, Lake State, who made the NCAA tournament last year, well, the previous year, not this last year, but two years ago. And then right. Northern, who came one game short from making the NCAA tournament, you know, two years ago, I think that would be just a big, you know, look what we did in just a very short period of time. In the first two weeks, or the first three weeks, we got our first victory. And I was impressed at times. I mean, obviously they showed that, you know, they're a step behind, you know, a lot of their teams in the conference, but also kind of showed that people are overlooking them. You know, they, you know, I talked to Grant Patoni and I talked to Damon Witten and they were just like, you know, maybe we overlooked them a little bit, you know, the first night that we played them, you know, because you look at a bunch of D3 players, you know, you think this could be just a complete cakewalk. This is going to be an easy sweep. And we found out later in the year that wasn't the case anymore. This isn't two victories guaranteed. This is going to be a tough weekend. The odds are probably in your favor <laughs> that you'll right. probably, it's like they're not, it's not a guarantee. And I thought they really, played well and i remember rico saying that to me that he thought they had in a short period of time they made progress it just wasn't resulting in a win column and the third period um was a big problem for them this year um they would hold tight with the team and be either tied or they'd be winning and for some reason 40 minutes this team was there but 60 minutes i don't know if they just repeatedly ran out of gas and they just, you know, hard. To, it was tough for them to keep pace, but that was definitely the case at the beginning of the year. But uh, yeah, those two weekends were fun to watch. And even though it weren't wins, it just shows that hey, there's some potential there. And the potential finally acclimated into something, right, Ryan? The first ever win came October 23rd um, at home against Ferris State, and it could have been a sweep. Um, on Friday, it was a two-to-one two overtime loss against the Bulldogs, um, and then finally getting a five-to-two victory on Saturday to kind of get you know that first ever win behind uh, behind you a little bit. But uh, they could have had two. Um, again, Ryan, so you, you, and it's one of those important steps, right? I think it's kind of overlooked in a sense, just how important just getting that. I don't know if you want to call it elusive, but just get that first win, just get get something under your belt that you can have some confidence and build something from it. And uh, Ferris State is, is not a pushover team by any means. So this was a great weekend to follow up from some tough lessons they learned the previous two weekends. It, it was a, a great thing for them. They you know, last year, the previous two years ago, Ferris had just a complete disaster of the year. Um, they didn't win any conference games. I thought when I looked at the schedule, I said their first victory, their probably best chance to get that first one was going to come against Ferris. They almost swept the Bulldogs, lost in overtime the first night. It's the only they were the only two home games I wasn't at in person. So I, I, the first victory I was not physically present. I was watching in the hotel in North Dakota um, both nights. But uh, I was like, when they lost in overtime, it was like, oh, they're so close. I hope they can get it the next night, and they did get it and played well from start to finish. I mean, there was really no doubt that they, you know, they I wouldn't say arrived, but that you know. 
they were there. They played a full 60 minutes, you know, something that hadn't been the case the previous weeks. And uh, great monkey off their back. You know, Rico told me, you know, the atmosphere in the locker room was just great. When I talked to Peter Tomey a couple weeks ago for my feature on him, he said that, you know, it was just a great feeling, especially, you know, for him, you know, coming in as a veteran from a very successful program in North Dakota. It was like he knew this was going to be kind of a, bumpy season and just to finally get that one get his first win as a tommy that was a kind of a gratifying moment for him too so it was a big weekend so yes you, you get that sort of you know poster first win right yeah and then you're thinking okay well how can we build on this right that's the next step is how can we maybe put a couple together right mm-hmm. um We'll take a little bit longer to get there, right, Ryan? So, um, and I think when we talked throughout the season, right, for St. Thomas, um, the one thing we saw consistently through was not just maybe the 60 minutes or – I don't necessarily – it was not always that they ran out of gas, right, Ryan? But uh, so the next couple of weekends, uh, you're in Tempe playing Arizona State, so you get swept. Um, you also then go to Bowling Green, you get swept there. Um, obviously, Minnesota State, Mankato, you didn't even score a goal on the weekend against them. So now we're into late um, late November, um, a couple losses again, Penn State, and then again, Bemidji State, um, two losses there. Um, and the trend really was a couple of things, right, Ryan? It was they run out of gas, or even more so in the third period. If it was close enough, it was almost the team just didn't stick to the game plan. And then more importantly, when they had some chances in some of those games, couldn't quite capitalize on them. That, that, um, I was going to say, they did score against Mankato, but then after a review, Mike Hastings was able to preserve the shutout for <laughs> Dryden McKay. So <laughs> got to have another <laughs> shutout in the column for me. Yes, so, yes. But uh, they, it, it was kind of, it's an interesting stretch because this is where a lot of the blowout losses happened over the course of the year. It was, you know, into that early November, the late October, early no, throughout the month of November. And it just, I don't know if they're playing somebody good, they fell behind quickly and they couldn't answer. We talked about that where if this team goes down by two goals, this team isn't going to be able to recover from that. And they weren't built for that. Um, and that was kind of evident as soon as, as soon as that team, when I was in attendance at a game, as soon as that team got a second, their opponent got a second goal, I'm like, well, this is over. And I started writing my game recap. And I know that sounds negative, and I'm sure maybe Tommy's fans are going to be like, you gave up on them in the second period? And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I just – I watched them. And it's just – if they can't – once they get down, they have to fight really hard to fight back, and it's never been about effort. It's just it's too big of a gap to overcome from them. And uh, that changed as the season went along, but during that stretch, it was really bad. And um, but it was step by step by step, little bits. Hey, they had a good first period, bad first period, but a good second period and a decent third period. And it's like we were searching on the show for positives <laughs> in the weekend. They weren't victories, but we're like, hey something's there something's brewing and uh that was probably their roughest stretch especially the month of november where it didn't seem like much was going well for them but uh they powered through and uh went in with a little momentum as i'm sure you're going to allude to 
And that's where you, you call it a turn, you know, a, a, the pinnacle turning of the, of the season really came not that far later. Um, you know, December, I would say, yeah, December 11th at Michigan Tech could have had win number two, a four to three overtime loss in Houghton, Michigan. Um, but again, it, it's one of those where Michigan Tech was a NCAA tournament team. Mm-hmm. And it was ones like, okay, those when you go back to that stretch you just mentioned, right, Ryan, where in one game, one thing was actually good, but there were still more than those things that were not as good. And then it, it, it changed what was good and what was bad, right? Mm-hmm. In this game specifically, you would start to see probably two things that were really good. You go, okay, the payoff, again, isn't in the win column, but you can see that it's almost like cooking, right, Ryan, where that the more ingredients you throw in – you start to get those flavors and aromas that are actually brewing to something that you can actually swallow down and actually enjoy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, this was at least to me, and I'm not sure if you agree, this was where I think the season for St. Thomas really took a turn upwards. Oh, it, it was definitely what I feel too. I feel like that was the, it's not like the season completely t- turned around like, Oh yeah, we're going to go on this deep run or anything, but this went from a team that was really struggling to a team that, hey, you know, we can do this. And that game was fun because they just got blown out by Tech the night before. And I was tuning in. I'm taking notes to myself over the course of the game. Tech is up by two, and I'm just like, I'm holding out hope, but I know that once they're down by two, it's uh, it's going to be tough. But then they did something kind of – they rallied. They tied it. It was 3-3, went into overtime. Cristiano Versic was the guy who scored both the goals to tie it. I was like thinking to myself, am I going to be writing about a win tonight on the website? Like an actual big comeback win against, I'm pretty sure they were, Tech was ranked at the time, I'm pretty sure. They were, yes. Yeah. So that would have been a monstrous statement <laughs> if they were able to pull an upset like that and they came so agonizingly close, but I think going into the Christmas break, you know, it was such a long break. I don't think St. Thomas played for like three weeks. And Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, so it was. they wanted to go with momentum. It wasn't a win, but I remember Rico telling me that was, that was needed. You know, hey, you know, we're almost there. You know, we almost beat a ranked team that ended up being an NCAA tournament team, and we showed that we've made progress. And uh, they built on that in the second half of the year. They did. Um, as you mentioned, three weeks off, uh, and it's it's not, again, the the, the worst competition. So you you come back home, uh, Bowling Green State, uh, two to f- uh, four to two loss, and then another close overtime. And this one, this is where Stigwatch hashtag was born, um, really. Um, as you know, Bowling Green, again, heavily favored in this matchup. And this is where sort of that – when you come back in a game, you know, again, against Michigan tech, you start to get some belief as players that, okay, maybe we can start doing something right. And they just did not go away uh, from Bowling green. And I think a bounce here, a bounce there, as you alluded to, I remember talking about this, uh, this weekend with you is they could have had both of those games had a bounce here or there had gone their way. Yeah. The, the first night um, it was, you know, it was a close loss. They looked good at moments. I mean, Bowling Green, you know, I think their top, their talent level just came through a little bit, um, you know, to get that victory. But that second night, that was fun. I mean, to lose an overtime uh, to a – that was their third overtime loss of the year. And uh, 
just like the tech one, as we talked about on the show, it was like some teams maybe aren't built for three on three. Remember that topic we talked yes, about? Yes, yeah. I remember that. Yes. Because <laughs> like, tech scored, I think it was like 16 seconds in. And then Bowling Green scored their overtime winner. I think it was like 12 seconds in or something like that. Right off the opening faceoff, Bowling Green saw an opening, <laughs> you know, just on the side, goal scored, and it was over. And it was kind of just like, oh, they were so close, you know. And they were just – it was right there. Could have gotten the second win. Should have maybe even their third win had, you know, maybe even fourth, <laughs> you know, at that yeah. point, really, when you think about it. So it was, it was right there, and it was like, well, and I remember talking about the show again. More progress. The process is coming. They're 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 right there. They're gonna get that second win, and eventually they got it. Came, you know, the fall, a few days later after that. Hey, Soda Pod listeners, just want to give a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. They want to remind you that you can feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or province, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play for free for thousands of dollars with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now or Daily Fantasy and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 or older, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yes, they did. Um, And it was one of those where, Ryan, you know, now we're starting to see, yeah, it's not wins and losses piling up, you know, to the point where, you know, it's going to even out, you know, the end of the season scoreboard. But now we're in a smaller stretch here, and you're competitive in these games now. (laughs) And for the fans especially, and – I think you and I talked about this previously as before this is like, the, you know, just if you give this team a couple more weeks, the brewing is there. Right. Mm-hmm. And they started to show it. Now we were scared because the next opponent was Minnesota state, right. Where mm-hmm. there was probably going to be a reality check. And it was um, again, mm-hmm. Minnesota state that good. Again, the, uh, the national championship runner up uh, five to one, then seven to one loss respectively, a home and home series uh, at the end of January. But then Michigan tech again, a shootout tie, and again, Steve Watts was in full uh, swing, and then a close to nothing loss. Uh, this again, both games at home. Um, so the comp- competition's there. We see it, um, and we're thinking, okay, this team is is starting to get there. So the opportunity then goes out to Alaska Fairbanks, and I remember this conversation very well, Ryan. That is, we felt. If there was a time during the season that St. Thomas could pull off a sweep, we really thought that this was the week and they'd do it. And unfortunately, it became more of a lesson in long travel times in Division One and adjusting to multiple different factors. It was probably disappointing, 6-1 and 7-3. And it's funny, Ryan, and I want to get your take on this. We're talking about disappointing losses at this time of the season when they've kind of had some tough losses throughout the season. But this one just felt more disappointing 
because hey, there's some hope and promise on this weekend. Mm-hmm. It, it it was also disappointing for me because I made the bold prediction that they were going to sweep, and I looked terrible. <laughs> I was the most heartbroken out of the weekend, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a lesson for all of us. And the fact that the Alaska trips are tough, you know, I told this ECHA for a long time. I was a, you know, I covered NMU for seven years and teams, when they go out there, there's always, even if they end up sweeping either Anchorage or Alaska Fairbanks, they're not really sharp when they do it, you know, they're, you know, it's, you can tell they're, you know, jet lag. There's some slowness on the ice. The passing isn't as crisp. I've seen, I've stayed up late at 11, a, 11 PM watching games, <laughs> you know, on my laptop. And it's evident for every team that comes out there. And it's just, it takes either a day for them to adjust and get that win or they're good. The first game and the second game, it's just like, you know, <laughs> now the fatigue is starting to set in. So it was a rough weekend. Um, you know, Rico said it was disappointing. They thought they were going in with some momentum. Um, that tech game, that tech series was fun because tech fans filled the building. I mean, it was packed with tech fans. You know, they're chanting the whole game. You know, like in the NCAA tournament, you got the let's go tech thing. Huskies, go Huskies, go was going the whole time. And, you know, they hung tight. It was, it went to a shootout. St. Thomas had it there. They could have very easily won it in overtime, could have won it in regulation. I remember tech fans, I went down to get a drink in the concession stand. And I remember seeing them, they're like, are we going to lose this game? <laughs> <laughs> like, are, are we really going to lose to St. Thomas? We're ranked. <laughs> you know, we're thinking, oh, pairwise, we're, I mean, just think what that would have done to their pairwise. Oh my, huge! <laughs> Losing to St. Thomas would have crushed them in the pairwise. They, so. That may have dropped them into 15-16 territory had that happened. I really because weren't they like eight or ten at that point? It, it was, I think, ten is where they were at. So it, it was a secure spot, but that could have put them right on the border. It could and, have, one hundred percent. Yeah, so that would have been a huge thing. And then even the second night. It was a tight game. They were in it. St. Thomas gave them a great fight to the end. and But then the Alaska weekend happened, and I was like, I'm hoping they can get another win, and it's not against Ferris. Because then <laughs> people will just say, oh, you just beat the same – the only wins came against the same team. So, I mean, can you really say you made progress when those are the only teams you beat? But as we went back to, they got better each, each week. That was – for me, the second half of the season, the Fairbanks series was the really only letdown because they weren't really favored to win a lot, you know, any of these games. Right. Yeah. It's like the Fairbanks one was just a, the, it was for the taking and they didn't take advantage of it. But then they rebounded and, you know, started to get back to where they were rather than, you know, taking a step back after that. And that's where I, I think the team realized, right, the next game they play um, at home against Lake Superior State, again, um, a pretty good hockey team. They win night one, uh, in fact, uh, two to one. And then, unfortunately, they fall uh, on Saturday, 5-1. So you have, uh, again, a more culmination of this team is 
they almost became the Minnesota sweetheart college hockey squad. Honestly, they were, I think a lot of people were sort of like, this is kind of fun to watch this squad because they went from having zero expectations to having actually a little bit of expectations. Like this team is competitive. You can't, you can't look over these guys anymore. And that was, that was so fun for me to watch this team grow um, throughout the season uh, to recap the end of the regular season. They end up do getting swept in Bemidji, although they were very close games, three to uh, five, three, and then a four, three over time loss. I mean, it's again, with the talent level that St. Thomas has for a D one school, when you go to three and three, it doesn't, bold in your favor right um so right before we get to the ccha quarterfinals um again when we we, we kind of put a pinnacle in a, in a time stamp here at the end of the regular season to where we were at in october what a fun ride that was honestly for the squad this last few weeks were really great they weren't you know you know phenomenal but it's just getting that win against Lake State. Lake State was in the NCAA tournament the previous year. Yeah. That's a big statement game. Yeah. You know? Just like it would have been to beat Michigan Tech both of those two times. It's like, look what we've done. And not only that, they beat them on like a final minute goal, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know to beat Lake State. That's something I was like, St. Thomas isn't the kind of team at the beginning of the year that would have been able to hang tight and get a game-winning goal that late. But they were able to do that. And even the next night, I'm not surprised they lost. I mean, I remember watching the Lake State guys in the locker room and they were obviously pissed off. <laughs> you know, that yeah. you know, we should <laughs> so Enrico told me he goes, they're gonna come out firing the next night. And they did. They just firing at will and they just St. Thomas just couldn't keep up. And then you have Bemidji. You know, I was in North Dakota that weekend doing the rare feat of tweeting out scores and commenting while keeping an eye on a UND hockey game with my family. So <laughs> the true multitasker that I was trying to pull off, but That's uh, right. yeah, it was uh, Bemidji, the Bemidji statement series was also a statement. I mean, they, they hung tight one game and then the other one, it was right there for the taking Rico told me, he goes, we had that game one you know, we just needed to hang on a little bit longer. And when they flashed the scoreboard at UND and it said Bemidji was losing <laughs> to St. Thomas, <laughs> I mean, uh, there were some people who looked like, what? <laughs> Are Bemidji's losing to St. Thomas? And there was. There were people who were confused by that. Um, and even though it didn't end up as a win out of the weekend, it was like, Look what we've done. Look how far we've come since right. the start of the year. That Bemidji has, you know, was one game short of making the NCAA tournament. We beat a team really? from last yeah. season, almost beat a team that made the NCAA tournament. And now we go into the playoff series. And uh, as you alluded to, is an interesting one. <laughs> right. Um, I, what I want to focus on is that Friday game because it was three to two, um, the, the win for Minnesota State. And What's interesting is, what well, was us just say it outright, Ryan. St. Thomas was kind of the better team through 50 minutes of that hockey game. And if you want to be fair, was it more St. Thomas outplaying Minnesota State? Probably not. Um, was Minnesota State probably, can we still overlooking them a little bit? Maybe. I think that's fair. Um, and had it not been for a horrendously non-call, St. Thomas probably could have won that game. Very much so. I 
I would say, you know, of a 60-minute game, they probably outplayed them maybe 52 minutes. You know, yeah. using 50, I would say 52 minutes of that game, St. Thomas was a better team. They were winning, and then it was tied, and then they were winning again. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know what Minnesota State was doing if they completely overlooked them going in and saying, oh, we're just going to sweep this series. It's going to be easy. Because even people behind me, even when – Minnesota State tied it. I got people. If you've never been the Mankato press box, <laughs> you've got fans like Sorry. directly yeah. behind you, <laughs> so you can hear what they're saying. And I can hear distinctly people are like, "Are we actually going to lose?" Like, <laughs> not like almost like not almost tech like almost like I mentioned earlier, where they're just like, "Are we going to lose a playoff game to St. Thomas?" Like, I could see like some heads turning like this. It was. It was kind of fascinating, and it was – they came so close to pulling off the upset. I remember when I told people that they were up 2-1, like people were texting me saying, it's happening. It's going to happen. It's going to be – this is what it's going to come down to. And it was like – and that non-call was so bad. And it was like when they scored – my wife's sitting there next to me. She's taking photos. And it's probably like one of maybe three times I've been in the press box where I've reacted to another goal. But when that non-call happened and Mankato scored like just two seconds after that, I literally slung my head again <laughs> and banged my head against the desk because it was like, oh, that'll do it. <laughs> well, you weren't the only one banging some stuff around after that non-call either. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 w- I was not as passionate as Rico was, but I was more of a, <sighs> I thought they were going to do it. I genuinely thought they were going to be able to pull it off the way they were performing, and it just, it wasn't there. And then the next night was what I expected to happen. The game that we were expecting Mankato to play happened the following night, and that was the end. And that uh, capped off their first season, Ryan. So it, some promise. And I'll tell you what, if win-loss record wasn't a thing, uh, Rico Blasi, to me, would be coach of the year candidate. Um, mm-hmm. Just from the talent that he had to work with. And again, I, I just I, I can really respect his approach. And what I mean by that is, you know, going back to what I said earlier, you know, he didn't try to get all the best talent in the transfer portal. He let guys that probably maybe skill-wise, and this is no disrespect to these guys at all, right? Um, maybe we're not at the skill level that you should be for a D1 program, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't just radically change the the roster. He he just wanted to work with what he had, and he made this team into a bunch of believers um, mm-hmm. and really got them to play together towards the end of the season. They were fun to watch. Um, but here's where... St. Thomas's story gets even more fun because as you look to what's to come, Ryan, they have some of the most exciting and some of the more talented prospects coming into their program, including Jake Brassini, just to name one of them off the top of my head. There's a lot of that missing talent coming in. So is St. Thomas priming itself to be sort of the, the biggest mover uh, next season? I would argue they are. Well, you know, we talked about this on the show, um, you know, as a group of us when we did that, the, uh, you know, I did our wrap up of the fr- wrap up of the frozen four. We talk about how, you know, St. Thomas is probably going to be better this year. And I fr- I'm a firm believer of that. They are going to be better. They are going to have more wins. <laughs> is this team going to be contending for a conference title? Probably <laughs> not. But, you know, it's like 
maybe if they can put together, maybe they can potentially get the last home ice spot. There's a possibility if things fall into place and the prospects play well and they get, you know, some transfers. I mean, it's going to be a work in progress, but it's not going to be what it was this past year. They're going to be better. Um, you mentioned Jake. Jake is coming. He's a, you know, a great prospect. Casey Leyland, um, the coaches are really high on him. Um, I was talking to Leon Hayward, the assistant coach, and he said there's a lot of talent with that kid, and they're really thinking he can contribute a lot. So I think he'd be a great prospect. Um, with the portal, they're not – as of now, I'm looking at they're not bringing as many in guys as yet. I mean, they got two guys coming in, one from Bowling Green, one from Tech. Not exactly great on the stat sheet, but maybe you have some veteran – players there that can help create some stability um because a lot of guys did transfer out of the program um right. my theory on that is is well now right now rico has a chance to build his own roster Correct. instead of having the roster he's kind of handed he can build it and unfortunately when you're building your own roster and not everybody's going to have the spot or the playing time that they you know so choose to have so it's um, so there's some guys left the program, but you know, Mac Byers, I watched him play at Northern he's a solid player. I mean, he's not going to put up, a, you know, some great numbers for you, but he's a good third line forward, uh, definitely a great four line, <laughs> definitely a great fourth line player, but a great third line player could potentially maybe even be a second liner if he really steps up his game this next season. So that's pretty useful. Um, I think they can build on this. There's some talent coming in. The portal is, I'm sure they're probably going to get a couple more guys on the portal. I know Rico said he's looking heavily in there and we'll just, we'll see what happens. Cause as I'm sure you've talked to the other guys, the portal's hard to predict. You know, there are guys Very, who will yeah. go places that you really didn't see happening. And then places, I mean, North Dakota got <laughs> some people, you know, and, you know, Duluth and St. Cloud are making moves and stuff like that. So it's, I don't think they're going to have the moves that, any, you know, a lot of the other schools, but uh, maybe he can land a couple guys who are, you know, willing to play on a team like this and get the playing time that they didn't have before and, you know, try to get that team the boost that they need next year. And uh, I think, I think it's going to be a good year. It's not going to be, a great year by any means, but they're going to be better. I think in double digit wins, I think they're going to get to 10, you know, maybe even 12 if uh, things really go. So it ain't going to be a three win season. It's going to be a, it's going to be like a 10 win season or maybe even more than that. And uh, again, you know, I guess final question for you tonight, Ryan is, you know, so what is, if you're a fan or if you, as you've covered this team now for the first year, what is that next step? And, and for me, if I'm the, you know, sort of the hockey gods looking down at is you're just looking for more consistency in the things you did well. Right. And that's where some of the guys that are there, whether it's transfers or some of the recruits they have coming in. Now you're not looking for somebody to, you know, be a Phil Kessel in college hockey or a Kale McCarr who can put the team on their back. You're just looking to get people together on defensive pairings and forward pairings. They can give you consistent performances every night that would translate then to what you mentioned, which is more wins uh, in the uh, in the stat sheet. Yes, consistency is something that is needed. I know a lot late in the year when a lot of teams have, they know what their lines are, 
you know, in February and maybe hunting in the playoffs. They know where everybody is. St. Thomas was still doing some shuffling around, still trying to figure out. I know they battled some injuries and, you know, some illnesses came through. So that was a tough thing. But having some consistency in the lineup where everybody knows what they're going to be, the communication is good. At the start of the year, you know, I was watching them play and I'm just like, nobody was really on the same page on offense. Like there would start to be a rush up the ice and it's either somebody was trailing that wasn't keeping up on the guys in the front or they'd pass it backwards and nobody would be there or there would be a long pass. Nobody was, and it's way ahead of everybody else. So it just, it was, it was tough to watch that. But as the season went on, things started to flow a lot better. So I think if they can put in consistently 60 minutes each game, the roster, everybody's on the, you know, the lines are stabilized at the end of the year. People are doing and being where they need to be. I think put that all together and you're going to have a solid year. Like I said, not a, a great year, but one where, you know, people will take notice, you know, as, as I said, after that heartbreaking loss to Minnesota State in the playoffs, I said, I think nobody can look at St. Thomas anymore and say, this is a guaranteed sweep. This is two wins, chalking in, you know, we don't even need to really <laughs> show up for the third period. It's our, you know, it's already in the books as a win. I think they proved that against Minnesota State that they are going to put get up a good fight. Again, the odds may be in your favor that you might get two wins this weekend, but it's not for sure thing, you know, by any means. You're going to get a fight till the very end from this team, and uh, you better be ready to play. And I think a lot of teams learn that, and uh, I think other teams will learn that as well next year. And they will. Again, still a very young Division One team, only going to its second year of existence, Ryan, and uh, I think still have quite the room ahead of them and I should say above them to grow and it might be again the one of the biggest movers up and down um you could say the the what's this called paralyzed ranking right uh, yeah, yeah. uh they, you know so they, they may be in the middle of pack next year we'll see mm-hmm. uh but Ryan that will do it for us this week here on MNCAA again as we continue our post uh season recaps here uh be sure to check us in every week as we're going to be covering every single Minnesota squad here hoping to get someone to give us a miss out of Bemidji as well but uh for Ryan Stig I'm Nick Max and thanks for watching 